Good evening. This is Dove Tudman, and we're doing another episode of Equal Footing from Overseas. We did a couple from Dubai last month, and I'm now in the country of Colombia, where I am passing the Paso, beginning of Passover down here, and I'll be back up for the end of Passover. And it's an extraordinary, extraordinary place to be as it regards the global Jewish community. I bet you didn't know that. Yes, Colombia. South America, not Colombia, South Carolina. So we've got a show tonight about a particular community within the Colombian Jewish community. I'll do a little primer around what the Jewish community in Colombia looks like in residence today. You're talking about a group that is um, probably in the uh, realm of kind of 15,000 or so uh, you've got a uh, number that are living in the capital, probably seven or 8,000, the capital of Bogota. It's a secondary city on the coast, Barranquilla, with about something in the vicinity of, of 6,000. Used to be at one point uh, as many, depending on the source material, as many as 25 or 30,000 um, self-denominating Jewish people in Colombia. Now, these don't sound like big numbers. But uh, let's go through a little bit of the history before we introduce our guests, because you'll see why a show about a particular Jewish community in a particular town in a particular South American country is actually interesting with respect to the global diaspora and the journey of the Jewish people globally. Last week, we covered the, the concept of the Arab Jew and the sojourn of a million Jews through North Africa and the Middle East and and, uh, and Persia, now we're covering the Maranos, the, the uh, Conversos, the Jews that came to South America and still exist genetically here. Not talking about uh, German Jews that emigrated during the war. We're not talking about uh, the wave of Sephardic migration um, from Greece and Turkey and North Africa and Syria and so forth in the early part of the 20th century to many parts of Central and South America. We're talking about Jewish people that had been genetically here in Latin America since the 16th century. Okay, quick history lesson. There, during the, uh, the Inquisition starts in 1492. You've got Jews kicked out of the Iberian Peninsula. Many of them, kind of a, under a don't ask, don't tell policy, make their way as pioneers into Central and South America in the Spanish Empire. This happens all the way through the 16th and 17th centuries. Even within Spain and in uh, modern-day Morocco, you had people that uh, were hiding, basically, in Christian society as Jews to evade uh, uh, persecution. At the time, now let's bring this down to Colombia. At the time, the north, we're talking about Colombia at the northwestern tip of it's a large country, um, the, larger than, for example, uh, uh, Texas and, and, uh, and Arkansas and New Mexico combined, big, big country. But it's the northwestern tip of the South American continent. At the time, in the 16th and 17th centuries, it was called New Granada. And you had these marranos or conversos, uh, Jews that were hiding and, and, uh, in Christian clothing, coming to, the, to this uh, area of the world at that time and assimilating, but often keeping their religious practice under wraps but alive. 
Uh, you had people lighting Shabbos candles in basements for uh, centuries. You had uh, Sefer Torahs and, and communities, Kehilats, that were underground also uh, uh, for centuries. Now, later, you know, you do have these waves of migrations, migration of Sephardic migration, more typically and from other parts of the world to Latin America in the 18th and 19th century into the 20th century. And as I mentioned, you have Ashkenazi immigrants coming after the rise of Nazism starting in 1933 till the 50s and 60s. And in fact, in the 1960s, you have the most number of Jews at any point in history in Latin America. But then you start to see some persecution, greater social mobility. And in Colombia, the community starts to decline to its numbers today, which, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15,000 Jews live in Colombia today. However, however, this gets to our topic today. These are people that most, most of the Jewish community in Colombia uh, self-identify through generations, uh, a lot of Ashkenazi now post-Nazism and uh, Sephardim in the last couple hundred years of, of immigration. But could Colombia be, in fact, as a country of 40-plus million, could it be 10% Jewish? Talking genetically, your mother's 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 mother. Could it be 20% Jewish? Geneticists say yes. The region of Antioquia in the mountains in central Colombia, there have been numerous academic studies studying, studying the DNA of residents in this region. You're talking about a region that is 96-plus percent Catholic in religious denomination. Genetically, it is the number two area in the world for Jewish DNA. Yes, number two to modern-day Israel. And that's because this original migration that occurred into the relatively safe central northern mountains of the Andes was done originally by these converted Jews or hiding Jews. Conversos, marranos. Okay, let's get into it. We have two guests that will bring us to the present day on this subject in this fascinating community that is, is growing out of this genetic heritage and awareness. I'm joined here on Equal Footing. Both of these guests are calling in from Colombia. We're in three different countries in Colombia. I'm in Cartagena. Rabbi Villegas is in Medellin, Colombia, and Dora Glotman is in Bogota. Rabbi Elad Villegas, first uh, born Juan Carlos Villegas, uh, uh, took on the name Elad later. Rabbi Elad was born in Medellin, Colombia in 1976. He's the eldest son of his family. He's married to his wife, Karen. Together, they have two beautiful children, Yitzhak, who's 14 years old, and Raquel, who's 11 years old. Rabbi Elad studied his elementary and high school at the Catholic school, La Salle de Bejo, and after at the University of Antioquia. Antioquia is a province in which Medellin, which is the uh, second largest city in Colombia, sits. After being a religious leader of the Christian church, yes, you heard that right, after being a religious leader of the Christian church, at the age of 29, Rabbi Elad Villegas converted to Judaism, Orthodox conversion, his whole family, and dedica- dedicated himself to rabbinical study until he ab- obtained his simcha and yeshiva hafutzot on Mount Zion in Jerusalem in 2013. Rabbi Villegas is currently the chief rabbi of the Jewish community of the province of Antioquia, president of the Association of Israelite Communities of Colombia, and is a kosher certifying agent for the food industry, and he's passionate about helping all of the B'nai Anusim hear what the Anusim are so that they can find their way back to Amisrael in Latin America. Rabbi Vijegas, welcome to Equal Footing. 
Es un placer para mí estar con ustedes en este día. And it's a pleasure for us. And Rabbi Villegas, who does speak English, we think it made more sense to get into this detailed topic in Spanish. And our next guest, not only is she in a, she's acclaimed in the corporate world, in the media world, she has tons of simultaneous translation. So our other guest, Dora Glotman. Dora and I have been friends for, oh, my God, Dora, how many years are we talking now? I think it's, we're, it's, we're talking about <laughs> going on 25 years. Yeah, uh, I try to stay wow. away from those numbers, though. Okay, yeah. Well, I won't mention it again, but we've known each other for um, <laughs> we've known each other for half of our lives. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to put your cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to know that it's been so many years. Yeah, and it's been such a a, a journey together. You know, I, I uh, you're one of the most special people on the planet. Dora Glotman, an amazing journalist, a, a, uh, uh, someone who's now working in the area of corporate, uh, in the corporate world at FTI Consulting in Bogota. Uh, but before she joined uh, FTI, uh, she's working there in, in the area of like, corporate reputation and public relations. Dora has been an internationally acclaimed journalist for almost 30 years. She's been on television as a presenter, as a as a uh, as a as a television uh, on the spot journalist. She's been in written in written media, in radio, way better at radio than I am. I'm mushmouth. Uh, Dora's career began began in New York in 1994 as a correspondent and news reporter for Univision, which is the largest uh, Spanish language network in the United States. For the show Sábados Gigantes, our Latin listeners know what Sábados Gigantes is, longest running show in uh, Spanish language television in the United States, and also Noticias. You were on 41. it. Do you remember that, Khalil? You were on that show. I do remember being on Salos Gigantes. I try to hide that in my bio because I'm embarrassed about uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a variety show. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dora, for, for, for that. Uh, <laughs> in 2001, uh, Dora moved to Miami. She became one of the lead reporters and anchor at Telemundo, second largest uh, Spanish language network in the United States. She was a news anchor there. Many of you probably recognize her from that. If you're a Latin listener, even if you're in New York. And Dora has worked also on radio alongside Colombia's foremost media personality, Julio Sanchez Cristo, and on La FM. I definitely have been on, on that show a number of times, which is produced by RCN Radio. You know, Colombia is a very radio-centric country. So Caracol Radio and RCN Radio get uh, more listeners per capita than almost any other country in the world. In 2006, Dora returned to her native Colombia. Yes, Dora's from the Jewish community in Colombia, where she worked 12 years with Caracol Television in Bogota as their international uh, editor. And to the point tonight, she's graduated from the New School of Social Research in New York and previously studied at Hebrew University in Jerusalem and the University of Kansas, just an amazing bio. And Dora has done a lot of investigative journalism on the Anusim, on the, uh, on the, 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 this genetic uh, original uh, con converted or hidden Jewish community that came out of the Iberian Peninsula hundreds of years ago, and knows Rabbi Vijegas has done reportage on Rabbi Vijegas. So, Dora, welcome to Equal Footing. I can't wait to get into this very per subject, very personal for me and my family. Yeah, well, Dove, I think you're on to a wonderful subject because it's something that's been uh, picking up lately in the news, mostly because the amount of people that have been looking to uh, to have Spanish nationality on account of 
having a, a Jewish background. So a lot of these Maranos that you were explaining a minute ago uh, have been approaching the embassy and trying to uh, uh, cash in somehow on their Jewish background in order to have that passport that would allow them access to all of the European Union. So it's definitely a subject that has been in the news lately, and um, the Bejo community is fascinating. So I'm really happy we'll be talking about this this evening, and it's an honor to be on the show with you, Dov, and of course uh, with the RAF that I respect. And um, and Haksameh to both of you. Yeah, uh, So you you touched on something that's a bit controversial, and I want to get into this. I'm going to ask you first, and then we'll go to you, Rabbi Elad. Um, Dora, you, I'm glad you mentioned right at the outset of the show. There's a lot of skepticism within the Jewish community in Colombia and more broadly in Latin America about this. These these not, they're not new Jewish communities because they're making the argument genetically with a lot of scientific proof behind it. By the way, that they are Jewish. Um, it's just that that line has been uh, broken. It's been misunderstood. It's been lost. It's been broken genetically over time, but they're originally uh, with Jewish heritage, and they're doing Orthodox conversions in many cases, many cases, but still there's a lot of skepticism, even though as Jews, you know, we honor someone who converts. Someone who converts arguably is in a certain sense closer to Hashem. Uh, and, you know, biblically, the, the, obviously the, the stories of some of our matriarchs, for example, but the, it's, been, it's taken a lot of time for people to accept these communities. So first of all, what are the anusim, because we've said that, that, that word a couple of, of times, and um, are they, let's start with you, Dora, from the outside, you've done a lot of reporting, are they really Jewish? I mean, is this, is this a community that, that, that should be truly accepted with open arms into the more the broadly into the Colombian Jewish community, into the Latin Jewish community, and into the global diaspora? Yeah, go ahead, Dora, and then, uh, and then uh, Rabbi Elad, I'm sure you, <laughs> I think I know your answer, but I want to hear the skeptical perspective, perhaps that exists out there, if not, if not you personally holding it, Dora, I'm sure you've, you've gotten to that in some of your journalism. Right, and I have a lot of respect uh, for those that, that convert to Judaism. And, and I did a lot of research, Adolf, as you mentioned, when I did the story a few years ago, and I spoke with a couple of rabbis. And I have to say that even though some of the rabbis are a little bit uh, not so sure that's the way to go, and they can make it very, very difficult for those that want to convert, especially when it's those that want to convert in order to marry a Jew. But I did come across a rabbi in Bogota that gave me a beautiful, beautiful explanation that made it all come together. Um, and he said that as Jews, we understand that those that feel the need or, or the desire to convert to Judaism, sometimes there were souls that belonged to Jewish bodies or communities previously and that are somehow spiritually returning to the community so that we need to value their interest and value their desire uh, to join the community again if they're understood as souls that were Jews maybe during the Second World War or other horrible times for us. So that is a way of receiving them. Um, the Jewish communities in Colombia have not always been so open, and the Rav will have more to say when it comes to accepting this new sort of communities. They tend to... Um, 
push them away a little bit. You know, where, where they're still not welcome to do minyan. They're still not welcome to certain activities within the synagogues. And so that's where where the skeptics come in, where, where some people are just not sure that the reasons why they're becoming Jews are the real ones. But again, I'm going to stick with that explanation of that Rav that said, you know, they're just souls that are coming back, so they need to be welcomed as such. So Rabbi Elad, you, you have been uh, covered by media around the world. Lots of coverage in, uh, in Israeli media, uh, an Orthodox Union article back in 2016 walked through your journey. You took your church with you. You had a church in, some would argue, a mega church, a messianic type uh, church, in an area of the country where people often, you know, make less than a thousand dollars, even even closer to uh, six, seven hundred dollars a month on average. Uh, not a, a rich community. Uh, people really rooted in in their Christian identity, and you you yourself converted to Orthodox Judaism, and a very significant portion of your community converted to Orthodox Judaism. Not not there are messianic churches out there that practice Jewish uh, rites and rituals, but you converted and you, uh, you took smicha, you're, uh what do you say, how do you feel when people kind of look askance or people do not um, necessarily accept you as they should in, in, the, in the community in Colombia and elsewhere? Uh-huh. Rabino, le pregunta eh, Dov lo siguiente, ustedes han tenido tanta prensa alrededor del mundo en Israel, en América Latina y ustedes son eh, una comunidad de, en una zona de Colombia no propiamente adinerada y una comunidad en un momento dado cristiana que de manera unida muchos de ustedes se convierten a este judaísmo ortodoxo cumpliendo con los rituales, con todo lo que nuestra religión indica. Así las cosas, Rabino, ¿cómo se siente usted cuando no es aceptada su comunidad como judía por algunos colombianos y también o, o específicamente en algunos momentos por la comunidad judía en Colombia. Pienso que todo esto hace parte del proceso que estamos viviendo. El proceso ya lleva alrededor de 20 años y cada vez vamos encontrando más personas que se van dando cuenta de una realidad eh, a través de nuestras conversiones y eso se ha dado particularmente por la seriedad que hemos tenido en el proceso pero diga Rabin pero que siento eh, en muchos casos frustración eh, porque uno quisiera que el proceso tuviera eh, mayor velocidad en, en su aceptación pero creería que la próxima generación es la que va a confirmar que el proceso ha sido serio y, y vamos a tener mucho más aceptación dentro de los círculos judíos. 
says that it's been a long process. It's a process that's taken over 20 years, um, and they have been uh, finding people along the way that understand this, the reality of this community and that respect the, the way they have handled it in such a serious way, the conversions that have been done with so much respect. So uh, when he comes across people that don't accept them, he feels, first of all, frustration, and a lot of frustration regarding the speed in which they are being accepted by the Jewish community in Colombia. However, he believes that it will be up to the next generation, not his, but the following, to prove to those that don't believe on how serious they are uh, that they really are Jews and that he believes that second generation will be more easily accepted of. Quisiera agregar algo. Pareciera que fuera la Inquisición a la inversa. Las mismas preguntas que hacían anteriormente la Iglesia Católica cuando preguntaban, ¿y quién lo convirtió? ¿Y usted sí es católico de verdad? ¿Y usted reza en la Iglesia los domingos? Ahora nos las hacen a nosotros. ¿Y usted quién lo convirtió al judaísmo? ¿A qué sinagoga asiste? ¿Cuál es su rabino? Eh, se pone tefilín, come kasher, reza diariamente. Pareciera que fuera la Inquisición al inverso. Oh, man. He says that this yeah. is sort of an inquisition, yeah. He says that this is sort of an inquisition for them at times, but the other way around. During the inquisition, those that converted to Catholicism, the Jews, they were asked often, who converted you? What church do you go to? How do you pray? And he feels that the way they are approached sometimes is somewhat of an inquisition-style uh, sort of questionnaire. Who converted you as a Jew? What synagogue do you go to? Do you put on your tefillin? Do you keep... Um, So it's an inquisition the other way around, Dolph, which is really a very dramatic way of wording it. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I hear that. I empathize with it because, um, you know, it's, it's the, the historical argument um, does support what's going on here. Um, you know, it, it's undeniable historically. Um, that uh, the Anusim, these these were these uh, um, hidden Jews that they were from the Iberian Peninsula that had to hide on pain of death, just like you know my grandmother uh, hid in a Goetia home in uh, in Poland during the the Holocaust. Um, you know she was a redhead and could and, and, and passed as a non-Jew, and we all know as Jews it's completely appropriate to do it and under pain of death. You know there was a group of these. Anusim that kind of came out, by the way, in 1636 in the New World and tried to reclaim their Judaism. This is already uh, nearly, you know, what, 40, 40 plus years after the Inquisition. No, sorry, 140 plus years after the Inquisition began in 1492, and they were put to death. This is not an uprising, but a group of Jews around around Latin America that became, came out. So you understand why these traditions of writing of lighting Shabbos candles secretly where it couldn't be seen from the outside, not eating pork sometimes for, you know, eight or ten generations, but not knowing why, because often it would get lost in the game of telephone across generations, but there was Jewish DNA there. In fact, before I take our first break, here with Rabbi Elad Villegas, the head rabbi of Antioquia, Colombia, Dora Glotman, a critically acclaimed journalist on the international stage as well as Latin America, before we take a break from talking about the Jews of Bejo, these... Um, converted communities that have come out of, often out of churches, not only in Colombia, but elsewhere. Um, let's, let's touch on the science for a second. And when I say elsewhere, let me just take a break there. There are 
over 60 such communities. We're talking we're, the, the communities of the community here of Bejo, this small town in Antioquia, Colombia, um, that, the, that the rabbi is originally uh, from in terms of his ministerial duties. There, this is an example. This is an example of something going on around Latin America. There are over 60 uh, evangelical and Catholic churches that are transitioning through Orthodox conversion to Judaism in Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, El Salvador, the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Ecuador, Peru, Brazil, Chile, and Bolivia. The Bejo community is not unique. It's gotten a lot of press. It's been a forerunner, but it's not unique. This is a movement going on. The DNA. Here's what the science tells us. And, and it used to be that there was only this one study from the University of North Carolina. From, I even remember in college because it was going on, I think, in 1990. But now there have been studies multiple places, from Hebrew University to universities in Colombia to various universities in the United States, this region of Colombia, the central region of Colombia, up in the mountains, you didn't have that much, uh, that much uh, um, uh, sharing of DNA because there weren't really strong indigenous communities here. There wasn't as much um, African immigration because there wasn't slavery in this part of Colombia at that time. And so you had these Jewish communities that, that came here, hidden as Christians, these Anusim or Conversos, Marranos, the different words for that community. And um, these studies show that anywhere between 10% and 25% of the population today has a very high component uh, element of, Jew, of Jewish DNA. Like you're talking about basically um, 75% and above in fact, one study showed that 14% have Kohanim DNA, you know, the priestly class. Other studies have shown anywhere between 70 and 80, almost 90% have some Jewish DNA. Do you know that even in Israel, not less than 90% of people have some Jewish DNA? So this is real. Um, it's not just to get, you know, passports in Spain or other things. There's, there's a historical basis to this. We're going to be right back on equal footing. Call in. Give us your opinion. Lay it on us. 718-303-9090. That's a U.S. number. If you're calling from abroad, plus one. 718-303-9090 to participate live. Be a little patient because our studio engineer is there alone. So you keep, keep ringing if you don't get picked up right away. You can also text a, co- a question or comment if that's easier for you to 917-428. 4062, also a U.S. number, plus one, 917-428-4062. We'll be right back talking about the Jewish community in Bello, Colombia. Viento que viene de la montaña, viento, traenos la claridad, viento. Viene de la montaña, viento, traemos la claridad. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. 
You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. You're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. I'm here with Rabbi Elad Vijega, rabbi from a converted Jewish community in Colombia. He was the head of a Christian church. He did Orthodox conversion and took over 300 members of his congregation with him. Dora Glotman, journalist, reported with uh, Univision and Telemundo in the United States, uh, Caracol and RCN Radio in Colombia. Rabbi Elad. Tell us a little bit about the experience of what it was like to convert a congregation or to go through a group. I mean, I've read articles about you know, people in groups of 30, men going from your community to the surgeon's office to get their circumcision. And I think it just, I, I can't even really fathom that. What, what was that journey like for you and your congregation to go through Orthodox Judaic conversion? Rabbi Elad, do you need a translation on that question? Eh, por favor. Rabino, le pregunta Dov que cómo fue esa conversión masiva, que él escuchó incluso eh, que llegaron un grupo grande de hombres a hacerse la circuncisión todos al tiempo donde un cirujano, que es una imagen eh, pues emocionante también de alguna manera. ¿Cómo fue la conversión en bloque para ustedes? Eh, bueno, el, el proceso fue un proceso educativo por eh, un lapso de tres años y posteriormente las personas que ya estaban preparadas eh, para vivir una vida completamente judía dentro de las exigencias eh, del mundo ortodoxo fueron las personas que hicimos el, el primer proceso de conversión en el año 2008. Posteriormente a ese año han habido procesos un poco más pequeños, eh, donde el resto de la comunidad ha podido ir accediendo a, a oficializar su, su proceso como tal. He says that it was um, a process that lasted about three years as they were educated uh, regarding what they needed to do and how to be prepared for this sort of conversion and for the requirements in order to be able to become Jews. So it was first a group did it, and then in 2008, um, other groups started doing it, but in smaller groups. But the big group, uh, it was after a three-year process. El, Rabbi, I have a question that's coming here um, from a, a listener. Um, and, he, and he wants to know, he's, he's writing in from Brooklyn, and he wants to know what was the spiritual awakening? How did it happen Being a Christian minister, how did you have the awakening that brought you to Judaism? That's a beautiful question. Um, sí. Rabino, eh, uno de los oyentes envía la siguiente pregunta. ¿Cómo fue el despertar espiritual que tuvieron ustedes en el momento en que como una comunidad cristiana entienden ese llamado o ese deseo a convertirse en judíos? ¿Ese despertar espiritual en qué consistió? En el año 98 viajé a Israel, eh, parte de un grupo turístico cristiano, pero allí se despertó ese interés 
de confrontar la teología cristiana con la teología judía. Inicialmente, dentro de mi proceso, yo fui el que tomé la decisión de renunciar como pastor a la iglesia, pero no estaba dentro de mi presupuesto que alrededor del de 40% de los miembros de esa comunidad eh, in, iniciaron, si di, dijeron, si usted nos enseña, y por ahí es el camino, por ahí vamos a tomar nosotros. Um, around the year 90, on, on the year 1998, uh, the rabbi traveled as a Christian tourist through Israel, and that's when he started confronting the theology uh, between Christians and Jews and realized how he felt about it. Upon his return, he... Um, He quit uh, being a pastor and started his own process of becoming a Jew. What he did not expect was that at least 40% of his community believed that they were to follow the same route, and 40% of them converted with him. Wow, so, 40%. That's extraordinary. That, that's, that's a huge number. You must, you must have been someone, Rabbi, that... Uh, that your your spiritual community had enormous respect for. If your journey, if your own spiritual awakening inspired 40% of your congregation, uh, you, you must have been had, held in extraordinary stead, extraordinary admiration. That, that, that's, that's amazing. And, an, and, a, and a great mitzvah. Eh, Rabino, que pues es una mitzvah muy grande la que, la que usted hizo, pero además habla muy bien de usted como líder espiritual, el que un 40% de la comunidad lo haya seguido en este nuevo camino. Dora, there's a question from a listener for you. Um, and the, the, this, this listener, uh, Yossi, uh, also from Brooklyn, from Crown Heights, um, is asking about your background. Are, are you part of this community? Uh, a little bit more about about the community, if not, that you're a part of, and how you felt when you first went and found this community, if you're, if you're outside of it. I cried. I cried like a child the moment that I walked into that synagogue. Of, um, I'm a Jew. It's my upbringing. Um, I'm, I'm, a La I'm a Colombian Jew. I belong to the Eskenazi community uh, here in Bogota. And as a journalist, I was interested in the story. And the moment I walked into the synagogue in Bejo, Antioquia, I started crying. And it felt, um, it felt like coming home in so many ways because the amount of love for the religion that I love as well, and just the respect that they went about it was incredible. And because I understood that they were actually souls that we had lost along the way that were coming back to us, the way they pray, the way they sing, the way they, 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 um, they respect every single tradition, but especially the way they prayed with so much faith, I have to say, um, was even more moving that the faith that I sometimes find in the synagogues of the traditional Jewish Colombian um, community. So it was extremely moving to be there. And as a Jew, it just made me happy to see that there were more of us uh, along the way, you know, and in, in our country. So I'm a, I'm a Latin Jew, uh, but I believe very much in the community of Bejo, and I consider them part of my community as well. That's beautiful, Dora. And and as you know, I'm, I'm I'm also a Latin Jew. I'm also a Colombian Jew. And I and I and I wanted to do this program tonight in part because 
I've heard, I've, I haven't been to the Bejo community. I'm going to be in the area um, uh, for Pesach, uh, and I'm also going to hopefully visit the rabbi uh, right after in Chol Hamoed. I look forward to having a similar experience, Dora. And but the, I wanted to do the show in part because there is some controversy around these communities. As you pointed out at the outset of the show, I guess it's been uh, a decade ago or more that countries like Spain and Portugal started to offer citizenship. And, of course, we know you can gain citizenship in Israel as well if you go through an Orthodox conversion and you can show, well, I guess they're different things in Israel if you're, if you're Jewish, but if, if, in Spain and in Portugal, if you can show that you were Anusim, were part of that community that was kicked out hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So there's a lot of skepticism. Uh, about this about this community, and on this point, Dora, I want to ask you about a hard question around that, because it, it there are I mean we're there's clearly you know an extraordinary thing going on in terms of spiritual awakening in Bejo, but let's say for the sake of argument that some of those members of the community uh, in Bejo or these sixty plus communities around the Latin America where this is happening. We're doing the conversion for the mundane or worldly purpose of getting a passport in Spain, getting an EU passport. <laughs> okay, does that... You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a fair, it's a very fair question. It's a very fair question, and um, I would love you and I to talk about it after you have your experience in Bejo, because the work that they go through and the faith that they put in into every single prayer, into learning the language into the bar mitzvah, into, the, into just uh, all of their rituals around it. It's not, it's not something that one would do just to get a passport. I mean, it's years of hard work in order to convert. I actually have the numbers in front of me, Dov. Um, Colombia is the third country in the world where most people have claimed to have a Jewish background. A total of 96,000 96, Colombians have asked for that passport, uh, claiming to have a Jewish background. We are the third country... The first one is uh, Morocco, and the second one is Ecuador, funny enough. Um, some people have accused those that, that approach the embassy of, of lying, um, but none of them are as serious as the Bejo community. And, yes, there is controversy because a lot of people are just hoping they can get that passport to move around Europe freely. What they're asking at the embassy is some sort of proof that your ancestors were Jewish, some sort of document some sort of um, picture or anything that can prove it. So they're not even asking for that much, which is somewhat unfortunate, you know. Um, however, the Bejo community, um, very few people, and I have heard none so far, accusing them of going through this very serious process just for the passport. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, for listeners' edification, Dora, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the population in Colombia now is around 45 million, if I'm not mistaken. So you're talking about uh, 96,000 people, sounds like a lot, but, you know, there was a recent study done at the University of Antioquia in Colombia by a, uh, a geneticist, Gabriel Bedoya, who, um, who posited that uh, something in the vicinity of 20% of Colombians are effectively Jewish, um, meaning that there's, mm -hmm. there's been uh, some sort of, I mean, enough, enough genetic material in today's generation um, that if there wasn't an unbroken line from mother to mother to mother, there's certainly enough Jewish heritage there 
to legitimately do a conversion. So in that sense, that would be that would be ten million people, right? I mean, that would be almost yeah. 10 million and and if you if you look at the Latin, Colombian, um, by the way, population is fifty million. As as you were mentioning, and as if you look at the last names, a lot of the last names can can shed that light, you know, and let you know that they were originally Jews. But you know, Dov, there's a really quick explanation for that. When uh, Christopher Columbus got permission from the Queen to travel, you know, searching for this new continent, and and eventually made it here, uh, they filled the boat with those that were in jail, and it was Inquisition time. So a lot of the people in the jails, and a lot of the people that the Spanish uh, just wanted to get rid of were these Jews that were in jail. So that's part of the explanation why so many original, uh, all that DNA that you've mentioned a few times made it all the way to this part of the world. Yeah, great point. It, this is fascinating stuff. Uh, and, and, and I personally think it's, it's beautiful. And, and you know what? You, that, frankly, if you go through an Orthodox conversion, you put in that effort, you put in uh, your, 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 your kashrut and your shomer shabbos and, your, and you're going and you're putting on your tefillin or whatever, you know. I mean, from my perspective, <laughs> you know, welcome. Whatever the, whatever other reasons may have brought you there, you know, Hashem works in mysterious ways. We're going to be back on equal footing yeah. here with journalist Dora Glossman, Rabbi Elad Vijegas. We're going to hit a couple of other, uh, listener questions. We'll be right back on equal footing. Equal Footing is brought to you in part by Manhattan Medical. Okay, it's a tough message to deliver, but it's a very important message, not only for men, but for any couple. What is more emotionally painful? I guess most couples, right? (laughs) What's more emotionally painful than erectile dysfunction? That's being unable to have enjoyable sex. You got to talk about it. You got to deal with it. It's not anything to be ashamed of. Erectile dysfunction affects men, more than 50% of men at some point in their lives. Manhattan Medical utilizes a new and effective gains wave therapy. It can help you achieve excellent, excellent results. The gains wave therapy is, is taken over in this area, taken over by storm. This, the therapeutic modality in Europe and Canada, it's starting really in, in the U.S. It does not involve pills. There's no expensive blue pills. It's non-invasive. It's surgery-free. It's painless. A lot of people can't take those pills. And Manhattan Medical offers a different approach to solving erectile dysfunction with no side effects. And for most patients, wonderful results. Check out Manhattan Medical. Call 888-US number, 888-ED-CURE-9. That's 888-ED-CURE-9 or in numbers, 888-332-8739. Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy for Erectile Dysfunction, 888-332-8739. If you mention that you heard about Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Erectile Dysfunction Therapy on equal footing, you get a free consultation. That's a 24-hour, the 24-hour. Listen, I, I told you, Dora, you're better in radio than me. Uh, that's a $250 value, <laughs> and you don't have to be in Manhattan to avail yourself of Manhattan Medical. You can do a teleconsult by Zoom or by phone from anywhere in the United States. That's Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy. Call 
1-800-273-8839. Operators are standing by. I've been Okay, so we're back with Rabbi Elad Vijegas and journalist Dora Globman. We're talking about the Jews of Bejo. These Jews have been hidden for centuries, genetically a lot of Jewish material there, and have gone through Orthodox conversions, many of them out, out, coming out of Christian congregations. Now, Rabbi Elad, I want listeners to understand there's a difference here, and I want you to help us educate us on what those differences are. There are a lot of messianic folks that call themselves Messianic Jews um, around Latin America. Different, different reports put the numbers at different levels, but some say at this point over 5 million people somehow identify with Judaism through their Christian faith. How is that? Tell us a little bit if you know about that movement, and how is that movement different than the community that you're a part of? Travino, um le pregunta Dov por el movimiento de judíos mesiánicos en América Latina, donde se habla inclusive de hasta 5 millones de personas que se identifican con ese movimiento de los judíos mesiánicos. ¿Ese movimiento en qué consiste, hasta donde usted lo entiende, y cómo se diferencia la comunidad de Bello? Bueno, realmente no sé si, está, eh, no sé si sea tan grande ese número. Creo que no es tan mayoritario. El movimiento mesiánico es un movimiento 100% cristiano que utiliza eh, kipá, talit y ciertos elementos religiosos judíos dentro de sus servicios, pero su ideología es 100% cristiana. Nuestro proceso por el mesianismo fue realmente corto porque entendimos grandes diferencias. Y la principal de ella es el personaje central de la religión, que en este caso nosotros adoptamos el judaísmo 100% alejándonos de todo tipo de práctica religiosa, cristiana o creencia filosófica en Jesús y todo lo que los dogmas de la religión han enseñado. Um, well, first, he doesn't think that it's such a large number, of five million people, um, and he says that this Christian movement, the Messianic Jews or, or Christians, that were the kipot, um, they are 100% Christian, and where they are different, even though they had a small time or a short period of time better, where they were Messianic Christians before converting, how they are different, or the biggest difference, is in the in Jesus Christ as the main character for those Messianic uh, Christians or Messianic Jews, and they are the community in Bejo does not share the philosophy of Jesus Christ or the Christians as we understand it. That would be the biggest difference, though. Let me ask a quick follow-up on that, Rabbi. Do you have a cordial relationship with some of these uh Christian churches that practice Jewish rituals, do they ask you for advice? Uh, how do you feel about them? Do you, do you wish they would be, there'd be more because there's at least people that are um, doing uh, mitzvot and maybe they're putting on a tefillin, they're not Jewish. It's a, uh, halachically, I understand that it's, it's still a mitzvah. So, I mean, I'm just wondering how you feel about those communities. Do you, do, do, do you like them? Do you want them to be more of them or do they bother you? 
¿Cómo es la relación, Rabino, de ustedes con esas comunidades? Eh, ¿Se acercan a pedir consejo? ¿Y cómo se siente usted al respecto de, de ellos eh, cumpliendo con algunos de los preceptos judíos, tefilim y, y todo este tipo de rituales nuestros tan importantes sin ser ellos judíos? En términos generales, su idea y su sentimiento hacia esas comunidades. Bueno, con respecto a la relación que existe es completamente nula en estos momentos porque el, el cristianismo evangélico y el mesiánico se caracterizan por ser muy sectarios. Quien no piense de la misma manera, entonces no es invitado absolutamente a nada. Pero ha sido diferente nuestra relación con la Iglesia Católica. Constantemente nos están invitando a foros interreligiosos para exponer eh, la filosofía judía con respecto a diferentes aspectos de la vida cotidiana. Eh, y mi sentimiento con respecto al uso de los artículos religiosos eh, le genera uno celo, sobre todo porque en muchos casos, por desconocer la alajá, eh, no los utilizan con el respeto, el decoro y la forma que realmente debería hacerse. The relationship does not exist of whatsoever. Um, he believes that this communities, evangelics and messianics, are uh, very sectarian and they are not open-minded or interested in others that don't believe in what they believe in. So there's no relationship whatsoever. However, he is often um, called by the Christian church uh, for different events between for religious, where religions where he's being asked to explain the philosophy of the Jews and the way that we pray and the way that we think. So it's a better relationship with the Christian church than with others. As far as how he feels about those communities, well, he believes uh, that the way that they use certain religious articles like the Philim are not always that respectful because they are not connoisseurs and they don't know the Alaha good enough. So not understanding Jewish law does not permit them to use those articles the way it should be. En la actualidad, okay. en la actualidad eh, las personas que se acercan a las comunidades emergentes, tanto en Colombia como en Latinoamérica, lo hacen por iniciativa propia. La información está muy accesible y a la mano. Este tipo de, de entrevistas y programas ayudan mucho a que las personas que tengan ascendencia judía busquen sus raíces también la información en Internet y en diferentes medios eh, ha hecho que, que nuestras comunidades reciban constantemente las inquietudes de esas personas que están buscando también un camino como lo hicimos nosotros en un momento. Are very much out there for anybody that's interested, and doing programs like this one that we're doing right now helps put out the word for those that might be interested in searching for their Jewish roots and will find in communities such as his the answers that they're looking for. So uh, he believes that this exposure is, is very uh, positive for them. Gotcha. It, it, uh, to me, that's fascinating. Actually, it makes sense that uh, that that you would be, Rabbi, a bridge between 
Christian communities here in the Jewish community because you were Christian and you converted, and that 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 makes sense. And I'm going to just say because I'm out of studio, I'm overseas in Colombia. That Dimitri, if we, I think we've got a caller on line one. If you want to put in through, that's that's great. And in I'm um, what I'm going to do. Okay, I think we've got we have caller. Are you can you hear me? Hello. Hello, you're on equal footing. Welcome. Yes, I'd like to ask the rabbi a question because, like you, I have doubts very much about this situation, and I think the people that have doubts, I think, may be correct. It seems that uh, I'd like to know, one, what is the rate of anti-Semitism in Colombia? Because that may have something to do with this. Is there a big anti-Semitic climate in Colombia? That's one Let's start with that one, and and let's keep you on on the line. So, uh, Dora, do you want to translate, Mm -hmm. or shall I? Sí, sí, Rabino, le pregunta el, el señor que llama... Eh, que cómo es el índice de antisemitismo en Colombia y si eso tendría alguna relación tan, tal vez con la aceptación o rechazo a comunidades como la suya. El antisemitismo en Colombia es eh, relativamente poco. Eh, los hechos de antisemitismo bueno. que se han presentado tanto en las comunidades tradicionales como comunidades emergentes podríamos decir que son aislados. Eh, igual en las universidades es eh, poco el, la promoción de este espíritu antisemita. Yo creo que por el contrario eso ha favorecido el progreso del proceso de nuestras comunidades y, y ha invitado a, a personas a acercarse a la Torah y a, y a la tradición judía como tal porque si comparamos a Colombia con otros países latinoamericanos o europeos o inclusive en Estados Unidos, el índice es relativamente poco. Um, he says that the rate of anti-Semitism is fairly low, that he's heard of some isolated cases, but he would not consider that an issue. And on the contrary, the lack of anti-Semitism, thank God, in our country, allows for the process of his community to go further and for those that want to approach the Torah and approach Judaism to do it in a more safe environment. Yeah, to that point, I think, caller, you, you, you're, you're on to something. I think if it was... I can attest to this being Jewish, and I'm not from a converted community in in in, in uh, Colombia, but I'm a Jewish Colombian, and it's not a country where you feel uh, you feel anti-Semitism uh, almost ever. So that probably does help. Caller, did you have a follow-up question? Yes. Uh, the, uh, the question is this: Will the rabbi state publicly right now? Now, I, I, this is the point. That he does not, but he said he that he publicly that he does not believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and does not believe in the Christian liturgy at all. Will he state that publicly? Rabino, le pide el señor que llama y que si por favor declara públicamente que usted no cree en la figura de Jesucristo como el Hijo de Dios y en las y en los preceptos del cristianismo como su fe. Claro, creo perfectamente en los trece principios de fe de Maimónides. No creo en Jesús ni en la religión cristiana. Para mí ha sido una decisión de vida total, igual que mi familia y toda la comunidad. No es eh, un asunto que me afecte. Nuestro padre Abraham también fue idólatra. El hecho de que yo haya sido cristiano o pastor de una iglesia evangélica no me afecta en la decisión que tomé 
porque es la misma decisión que tomó Abraham Avinu cuando salió de, de la idolatría y, y así lo declaramos constantemente. He says he does, he does not believe in Jesus Christ. He does not believe in Christianity as his religion, that he has made a life choice by returning and becoming a Jew, and that he believes that Abraham uh, was an example of that. After having adored symbols, he understood one God and he understood uh, his faith, and the rabbi can relate to that. After having been a pastor, he now understands that there is no adoring any figures, and he does not believe in Jesus Christ. And he doesn't use the cross at all in his, uh, in his, in his place, right, at all? Rabino, ¿utiliza la cruz alguna vez para algo en sus prácticas y en sus ritos? No. Ahora vamos a tener un pesa que hacer pesameas todos. Okay. I think these questions yeah. needed to be asked. Yeah. Yeah, these were fantastic questions. I really appreciate it. It's Stan, on. by the way. It's Stan. <laughs> Stan, sorry. It's just a, when I'm uh, over, it's a little bit hard to, to tell. I didn't want to miss name. Thank you, Stan, okay. for those questions. Spot on. Absolutely, and, my uh, friend. Take care. Fine. Happy Passover. Yes. So I, I think that um, those are great questions because people might not understand. This is this is Orthodox conversion, and, and, and really, is, and, and of course, the rabbi said, no, of course he doesn't choose cross. And were, now, these are not Messianic Jewish communities. Parte de ese sentimiento cuando le preguntaban los católicos a los judíos, ¿usted realmente se volvió católico? Ahora nos preguntan a nosotros, ¿usted realmente es judío? Entonces no me moleste. <laughs> He's not bothered by uh, questions such as Stan just, um, just presented, because the rabbi says that these are questions that, that he faces every single day, and that just as during the Inquisition, uh, people were saying, you were a Jew, are you really now a Christian? He's used to being asked, you were a Christian, are you really now a Jew? So this sort of approaches are not new at all. It reminds me, I hope no one will be offended by this statement, but it reminds me of the, uh, the great response that the atheist Christopher Hitchens had to the question of, of, of whether he was denying his faith that he has a child. Did, can you say here today that you do not believe in Jesus Christ? And Christopher Hitchens would answer, uh, I don't know. Can you say here today that you don't believe that there's a pink elephant orbiting the earth? It's like, why do I have to say deny something that is not now part of my uh, part of my my liturgy or my belief? We have we we have one last question. There's so many great questions just come in. Dora, this question is 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 for you. This is from Shmuley in Los Angeles, who says that he's an Ashkenazi Jew from Argentina. He gathers that you're Ashkenazi and wants to know if the Ashkenazi community is less or more accepting of these communities like the Bejo Jewish community, or is the Sephardic community in, in Colombia more accepting? We're in the same situation, Shmuli, where both the Ashkenazi and Sephardic communities have not entirely opened up to these uh, new communities that have come our way. Unfortunately, they have not been accepted entirely by either one of those um, Ashkenazi or Sephardic Well, I hope that that, that changes. Uh, rabbi Labijegas is not, is not just rabbi for his congregation. He is an Orthodox rabbi and is now the head of the, of the, uh, the head rabbi for the province of Antioquia. We're out on time. Dora Glotman, acclaimed journalist, 
Rabbi Elad Bijegas, head rabbi for the province of Antioquia, Colombia. Thank you for educating us on the Jews of Bejo, the Fulios, Bejo. to both of you. Thank you. Adob Hachameach to you too. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you know, I just want to repeat that message from that rabbi a long time ago that said, these are souls that are coming back to our community. So let's welcome them. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. My pleasure.